Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What's going on, my friend? You are listening to Real English Radio. I'm your host, Tony Kaizen. And today I'm talking about nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's no agenda. There are no notes. There is no regularly scheduled program today. Just wanted to say what's up to you and uh, talk about nothing for a little bit. I'm not sure how long this episode is going to be. I'm not sure how exactly it's going to go. So I cannot guarantee the quality of this episode. (laughs) I cannot guarantee that it will be a pleasurable, entertaining, enjoyable experience for you. So if you want to cut the podcast off at this moment, I would totally understand. I'm not going to judge you. All right. You do what you do. Time is a non-renewable resource, and I would hate for you to waste it doing something that you feel doesn't add value to your life. You know what I mean? I promise I won't take it personally. You can listen to the next episode. You can listen to the one before this one. You know what I mean? There's there's other good episodes you can check out. This one, possibly, <laughs> you know, it's possible that it goes great. It's possible that it goes nowhere. I guess only time will tell. Isn't that right? Anyway, how is this going to work? If you've never heard this kind of episode before. As the title suggests, I'm going to be talking about nothing in particular. I guess that's a more accurate title, but talking about nothing sounds cooler. So anyway, just kind of letting the mind wander. Whatever pops into the mind, I consider and then speak about. And I'll see if I can take you on some kind of journey. I do know that one thing that's been on my mind recently as recently as this morning, actually, is the idea of owning pets. This is a really, really, like, this is a really weird concept that we've come to accept as a society. The idea of owning animals. Not because it's better for the world, not because it's better for the animals themselves, but just because we want to own animals. (laughs) It's fucking weird, man. Like, I I mean, and let me make this clear. 
I see, how can I say this actually, in a way that makes sense? I have nothing against people that own pets. This is not a judgment or anything like that. I'm in no position to judge people. I'm just saying it's fucking weird that human beings have somehow rationalized the possession, sale, and cultivation of other animals. Not to be consumed for sustenance, but just to be owned. (laughs) It's weird, man. It's weird. Dogs, cats, sometimes birds. Some people have snakes, even fish. It's weird, bro. It's weird. Like if you if it were if you put a human in the place of an animal, it would be fucking horrific. Laws were created to bar people from doing that kind of thing, right? Slavery is wrong. We cannot own other human beings. Every human being is created equal, at least in theory. But since it's animals, and very specific animals too. Like, you know how people actually, isn't it funny? Before I get to that, I don't know if you can hear this. I don't know if my microphone is picking up this noise. A lady right above me. This is a perfect example of how fucking weird this social agreement is. A lady that lives in the apartment above me, she has a puppy. It must be three or four months old. The most adorable little dog. The problem is, this lady, I guess sometimes she works at home, sometimes she doesn't. I don't really know her situation. All I know is that while she's either working at home or for hours upon hours during the day when she's not at home, she locks this puppy in her bathroom. And we're talking about a one-bedroom apartment. You can imagine the size of her bathroom. She's got this puppy locked in there. Sorry, that was my, uh, my speaker just went off. I don't even know if you heard that. But anyway, she's got this puppy locked in the bathroom. For hours upon hours upon hours, day in and day out. And the entire time, the puppy is screaming and whining and scratching at the door, making all kinds of noise. Then the noise travels through the vents, which means all day when I'm working at home, (laughs) I hear this puppy just suffering up there, scared and alone and wondering why the fuck it's locked in a bathroom. And that's totally fine, you know, like, hey, it's your dog, do what you want. Do what the fuck you want. Even if you call animal control, which I've done twice, they come over, they knock on the door, hey, what's going on? She explains the situation, they just leave. I mean, they're not, nobody's going to really do shit about it. And you can't really expect them to, because why? She's an independent human being. She owns the dog. She purchased the dog so she can fucking do what she wants. And so it's funny because before I even called animal control or anybody else, I just went up there and knocked on the door. I was just going to ask her like, yo, are you trying to murder the dog or something? Why is it screaming for four hours straight every single day? And she didn't answer the door. I don't know if she was home. And then a couple of days later, I went back up there because again, this shit is every day. As I speak these words to you, I can hear the dog up there. See if I can turn up my microphone. Can you hear that? I don't know if you can hear that. Let me turn it back down. Don't want to blow out your motherfucking eardrums. But yeah, she's got this fucking dog locked up in a bathroom for hours on end. And you might say, okay, Tony, but that's not everybody. Most people treat their animals well. They don't lock them in bathrooms while they go to work 
or or something like that. That's a very specific case. Not all people are like that. And that's, I guess, true. I don't know if that's true, but it's really not the point. The point is the contract that we've all signed and agreed upon is that animals can be cultivated, sold, purchased, uh, trained to behave the way humans want them to behave. There are even, man, there are even fucking dog shows. I don't know if they do this in your country. This is like some real weird first world shit where you have people who are so bored and so affluent that they literally dedicate their lives to raising these purebred animals. It's a purebred. It's only been bred with other members of its of its race or species. I don't know the correct term. It's pure. It's not a mix. It's not a mutt. We give it the finest, most delicate shampoo three times a week, and we condition its hair, and we brush the dog's hair, and brush, and brush from the top to bottom. Make sure it's the top to bottom. You don't want to fuck up the flow of the hair. It needs to be nice and graceful. Yes, and we feed it the most premium food, caviar. We give it dog champagne from the hills of France. Yes, it cost me $2,000 for this case of dog champagne. I need the best for my dog. Yes, because it's going to be in a dog competition. And in these fucking dog... I don't know why I just had a British accent right there. I don't... That was weird. But in these dog competitions, what are they doing? They've trained these dogs to run through obstacles and fucking hoops and do flips and shit like that. They got them dressed in ridiculous outfits. You ever seen people dress up their dogs in a Santa Claus outfit or a ballerina tutu or some shit like that? That is the most degrading shit. That's worse than killing animals. If you're going to kill the animal, at least you eat the shit. Like you're doing it to survive. All forms of life consume other forms of life to survive. That's natural. To me, doing that is nowhere near as bad as, first of all, selling and purchasing an animal. How do you put value on the life of a dog? Who decides how much the dog costs? And when did the dog sign up to be sold? Like, what? man, it's so fucking weird. Would you sell one of your kids? Oh, well, no, that's different. I, I birthed my kid and raised my kid. Exactly, exactly. So those are the only pets you should have at home, your kids. You know? <laughs> like, it's, I don't know, it's weird. Anyway, back to these fucking horrific dog shows. Who in the fuck? said that this is okay. When did we all sign off and be like, yep, we're going to parade these dogs around against their will? Like circus animals. Don't even get me started on the circus. We're going to parade these dogs around like circus animals for trophies and sponsorships and accolades and recognition. Well, the dogs aren't doing it against their will. If the dogs wanted to leave, they could. Like, really, bro? Really? All right. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. It's just something I think about because it's a very, very, very weird thing that we all just kind of accept. The possession of animals. You know what I mean? It's weird. And specific animals. Like, you're not going to have a pet deer. And I don't know the history of it. I don't know when dogs and cats and even mice, sometimes snakes, birds, when did those become the select animals that humans keep locked in cages? Not the weirdest shit. Even in my apartment complex, multiple people who have, I mean, we live, most of the apartments here are one or two bedrooms. They're not gigantic. 
I mean, they're not tiny, but they're not gigantic. And you have full-size dogs being kept in small apartments all day. They get taken out twice a day to piss and shit. The rest of the time, they're sitting in an apartment. It's weird. And when the owners leave and can't take the dog with them, they don't want the dog to destroy the house like a dog naturally would do, which is being a dog. They leave it out there on the balcony of the apartment. So the dog now has a, what, a three foot by six foot space to just walk in circles and try to stimulate itself while its owners have left it there for six, seven, eight hours just chilling. He's got water and food. He's fine. He'll be all right. And going back to my fucking neighbor upstairs, bro, the second time I went to knock on the door, because I'm like, bro, I need to talk to this lady just to understand what the fuck is going on. She left a note on the door that says, dear neighbors, my dog is fine. It's a, it's a newborn puppy. I have it in my bathroom. It has plenty of food and water. It's fine. You don't need to call animal control again. So the rationalization is that the animal has food and water. Therefore, it's totally fine to leave it locked in a bathroom, completely unaware of what's actually going on for eight hours while you go to work. And what I'm saying is so weird about that, other than the obvious, is imagine if that was a baby. You know what I mean? It's like, bruh. And shit like that happens every day. We just treat animals in such a weird way. It's weird, bro. It's even something like fish, when you think about it. And I used to have fish when I was a kid. And as I got older, I, I don't know when it was that I realized how fucking horrific it is to take this fish out of its natural habitat Put it in a tank that's probably got, what, 50 gallons max? Something that fits in your bedroom, I don't know. And you basically said, I know that you used to have the entire ocean to swim around in, or a lake if it's a freshwater fish. I know you used to have an entire lake or stream or river to just fuck around in your natural habitat. But now your entire world is these four pieces of glass. You will not pass beyond them. Until I take you to the toilet to flush you once you have died. You're going to die here. <laughs> but don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'm going to filter the water. Got a nice filtration system for you. Top of the line. The best that Walmart has to offer. Got your little plastic scuba diver here. You can swim around a little plastic rock. You can do fucking loops around that. Would you like that? Hmm? A bunch of colorful rocks down here at the bottom. I know you like that. Fish love color. Oh, and I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a little pieces of food that you can swim up and, and grab whenever uh, this, the urge strikes you. That's what you get. That is fucking horrific, bro. There was a time you could go to Walmart and way in the back of the store, you would walk back there next to the dog food, the cat food, the leashes, all these accessories you can buy for your pets. And over there in the corner, there was like a Maybe from, it must have been 12 feet from end to end with nothing but fish tanks up and down the wall. Different fish that you could buy. And thinking back on that, bro. Thinking back on that. Even when you, went, when you used to go to the mall, you would see pet stores. Live animals locked in glass cages. And you could just be walking through the mall like you're going to go buy some shoes. Or a t-shirt. Oh, let me buy a dog. 
And until the dog is purchased, it just kind of lives in that store, in that cage. With all these other random animals, it doesn't even really know. And we just walk by that like, oh, that's not the, oh, a smoothie, let's go get a smoothie. Never mind these fucking animals just over here, like in prison, basically. Same thing with the zoo, same thing with aquariums, it's the same shit. Keeping these animals locked in prison, that's fucking wild, bro. That's wild that everybody's kind of just like, ah, that's fine. (laughs) Imagine if those were people. What's the difference? Is it okay just because they're animals? Just because we're the apex predators now? We've, We've developed technology that makes us the alpha on this planet. Is that the reason it's okay? Because they can't really... They can't really contest, right? They just don't have the firepower. I don't care how big the gorilla is. I can put that bitch down with a shotgun if I really wanted to. So maybe that's the reason. I don't know, but it's weird, bro. It's weird. We've taken... I remember I went to the San Diego Zoo years and years and years ago. The San Diego Zoo in San Diego, California, just in case that's not clear. They have fucking giraffes. At the zoo in San Diego, California. Like, (laughs) last time I checked, we don't even have giraffes on this continent. It's not their natural habitat. They were taken from their natural habitat and brought over most likely on a boat. A fucking boat to San Diego, California. This is your home now. This 25 square mile radius. This is your home now. And um, I hope you like being photographed because millions upon millions of people are going to come through here, snap pictures, and look at you like you're from another planet. This is your life now. And it's all under the guise of we're doing these animals a favor. We saved these animals, right? We're God, pretty much. They wouldn't have survived without us. It's like, bro, maybe that's a good thing, you know? Imagine if the government said, you're in danger, I'm going to save you. I'm going to take you to this camp. I'm going to put you in this cage. We decide when you eat, when you sleep, where you go, who you interact with, who can come see you. And this is your life now. And this is me saving you. This is me protecting you. Doesn't that sound like prison? Doesn't that sound like a jail cell? I don't know. And I just don't see much difference between the zoo and keeping pets at home. I really don't. I mean, what's interesting, though, because I do hear the argument. I can hear people in in my head saying, well, it's not the same. We treat our animals with love and we give them food and water. And if they wanted to leave, they could. And it's not the same thing, Tony. And maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But, um, ah, getting back to what I was saying, the interesting thing about that the supporting argument or observation, I should say, is at least in the United States, it's interesting to do a, a simple thought exercise, right? Just go on this journey with me. Consider the fact that there are some dogs in this country, the United States of America, there are some dogs that live better than 99% of the people on this planet. And I say that to contrast my initial observation of very specific cases in which animals get treated like shit. I mean, imagine being locked in a bathroom for eight hours while your parents go to work. 
and they leave you with nothing but a bowl of cereal and some water. Like, yeah, you'll be fine. Take a shower, nigga. You'll be good. <laughs> so I'm contrasting. I'm trying to, you know, steal, man, this perspective that there's absolutely nothing wrong with owning animals because I think there is. But I'm trying to see it from the other perspective. And at least in this country, dogs and cats very specifically, some other animals too, but definitely dogs and cats in many cases, especially in the more affluent neighborhoods and families, these animals get treated and live better lives than 99% of the world. I mean, there are entire clinics, there are fucking dog and cat hospitals and spa resorts. You're, you can send your dog to get a, a pedicure and get shampooed and get a haircut you know, fucking nail polish if you want. People make clothing for dogs. They're plush fucking suede beds. Hundreds of dollars made specifically for dogs. Entire structures. You know those like, those uh, puzzle piece looking structures that people put in their houses for their cats to climb and, and, and play on and scratch and shit like that? Entire industries were born out of pampering animals, the desire, the propensity to, to pamper animals, to treat them like, to treat them better than humans in many cases. You know, there are some people who call themselves dog people, cat people. I'm an animal person. The type of people that think hum that pets, or I shouldn't say pets, the type of people that think that animals are better than humans morally, right? Human beings are the cancer of the planet. We're destroying the planet. Look at global warming, globalization, and capitalism. We're horrible. These animals are beautiful. They show us how we should be. <laughs> it's beautiful. Fucking human beings, they're terrible. <laughs> I prefer dogs to humans. I'd rather spend time with animals than humans. I'm not judging. I know that probably sounded really condescending. I was just making fun of these people. Not disrespectfully. It's just how they sound to me. <laughs> and, um... I, I mean, I, I can totally understand. There was a time when I believed that human beings were the cancer of the earth. But when I realized I was full of shit was when I also realized that I wasn't going to kill myself. Because if you really think that, if you really think human beings are the problem, you would end your own life. Because that's the only thing you really have control over. You're not going to make any change by telling other people how to live their lives and be better human beings. That's not under your control. So if you really believe human beings are the scum of the planet, and every other form of life is better than us, why wouldn't you end your own life? It's illogical. Anyway, that's not even my point. Hopefully I didn't ruffle too many feathers there. Hopefully you're still with me. I'm just talking about nothing, just in case you forgot. And I think about these things, man. Maybe I shouldn't, but I do. And so getting back to uh, what I was saying, entire industries have been born just out of the desire to pamper animals and treat them like humans. There are people that believe animals deserve better treatment, that animals are better than we are, that animals are preferable company to humans. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if that's what you think, I don't give a shit. It has nothing to do with me. I just think it's strange, you know? It's very strange that there are people who will treat their dogs better than they treat their fellow human beings. That's weird. People that will literally bend over backwards to make sure that their dog lives a stress-free, pain-free, anxiety-free life. Um, but will treat their next-door neighbor or people on the street like absolute shit. 
And they're such good people because they love animals so much. They donate to animal charities and hospitals and this and that. But they treat humans like shit. That's weird. That's weird. Owning animals in general, bro. Fucking weird. You stop and think about that. If you if you saw a scene of slavery, this human being sold to another to then go work for the rest of his life, his or her life, it's not an it, his or her life, um, you say that's horrific. Some, something needs to be done about that. But you can go to a parking lot at a Walmart or some fucking grocery store, somebody selling puppies, 300 a pop. Had absolutely nothing to do with the puppies being born. Those two dogs were going to fuck and have babies either way. You step in and say, you know what? I'm about to make a profit. Let me go to the fuck. Let me go to the grocery store parking lot and sell these puppies. 300 a pop. Bro, you sell three puppies. You almost made $1,000 in an afternoon. You ain't do shit. You probably are selling the puppies of a dog you purchased. That's what I call return on investment, dog. That's return on investment. You paid 300 for the first one. Matter of fact, call it six. You got a boy and a girl. You spent 600. That, that dog has six puppies. You sell them each for 300 a pop. What is that? I suck at math. That's 1800, right? You just three extra money. For nothing, for nothing. You ain't even have the puppies. You can't, obviously. That's good business, bro. That is good business. I mean, when you stop and think about like generic dog food, the shit that you buy at any typical grocery store or pet store or something like that, even the most popular brands of dog food, most of the time, especially dry dog food, it's not even like substance. 40 to 50% of it is probably fucking nonsense. They're just eating trash. (laughs) I shouldn't say that because I don't know that for a fact. Uh, I remember hearing that in some documentary, but I don't know if it's true. But it's very believable when you stop and consider at least American business and the lengths that some corporations go to to make a profit. Anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. How did I get on corporations and fake dog food? This is what happens when you talk about nothing, man. You just start going down these rabbit holes. I know I'm probably not making too much sense, but hopefully you can see some thread of logic in my half-baked arguments here this afternoon. I'm just saying owning pets is fucking weird, man. It's weird that we have it's wrong to possess and sell human beings, but the purchase and sale, the involuntary training of animals is totally fine. You know, there are police officers, entire police departments, who breed dogs for the purpose of using them as weapons for chasing and catching, apprehending people on the run. They'll sniff out the person running from the police. They can run faster than police officers, so they'll run. They will send a dog to run after you and fucking bite on you and not let go. Can you imagine you're fucking, you get a simple traffic stop. And the police officer says, ma'am, step out of the car. You step out of the car for no reason. The the cop tries to arrest you, put you under arrest, and you just panic because, like, I've done nothing wrong. I'm not going to jail. Fuck that. And you just panic and you run. You're not even thinking about what you're doing. You just run. Guess what? 
Cops got a dog in the back of the car. Just so happens to be a canine unit. He's got a dog in the back of the car. Opens the back door, says, get her! And that fucking dog is running full speed. That dog is high on fucking dog drugs in America and police spirit. Chasing after you, bro. And it gets, it gets a hold of your fucking ankle. Ah, 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 just trying to bite your shit off, bro. You imagine. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm just saying it's weird. It's weird that we as a society have even accepted the idea this dog was born and bred to be used as a weapon its entire life. Its entire life is just a weapon. Then it retires, gets a good pension. You know, probably get a nice fancy dog house. I don't know. I don't even know what they do with retired police dogs. It's not like you can take that into the home and, and treat it like a domestic pet. Motherfucker's just on edge, dog. It was trained to sniff out cocaine and, and, and bite people and shit. I don't know. It's a weird social contract. And I love the idea. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love dogs. I love cats. They're annoying sometimes, but who isn't, right? But I love pets, or I keep saying pets. I love animals. I love animals. They're cool. And I wouldn't be against, like, for example, if I have a family one day and my kids want, like, Dad, can we get a dog? Can we get some cats? Like, I mean, I don't, I don't fucking care. Sure. I think it's weird. It's not like I would say, no, we can't because it's morally wrong, even though I kind of think it is. I wouldn't go as far as saying, no, we, we will not have animals in this house. Because, you know, I, you know, even me culturally, I've kind of accepted that this is just the way it is. Like we feed it, give it water if it wants to run away like it can. Fuck it. I don't care. We kind of rationalize it in that way. Even I do it. So I'm not saying that I would never have pets. I most likely won't for that reason, just because the idea is weird. But I'm not saying I never would. And I'm not saying that people who own pets are horrible, immoral human beings that should be judged and punished. That's not the point. I'm just saying it's fucking weird. It's weird, man. <laughs> Especially in this country, like the level of privilege that so many animals experience, the, the lifestyle they live, you know? taken into people's homes, treated like kings. It's weird. And it's funny because we also train them to be dependent on human beings. Because when you think about an animal that's born in captivity, born in your, in your fucking living room, grew up in your house, maybe got some time in the backyard, it's not being raised in its natural environment. And therefore, when, once it grows... Once it grows up, once it matures, it's not like you can release that thing into the wild and expect it to survive. Maybe it will. I don't know. I don't know shit about animals and how that works. I'm just saying, if you think about a human being, born in the house, kind of raised in the house, never leaves the house until age 40, I don't know if it's going to be a well-adjusted human being that's ready to take on society and survive and communicate with others and integrate and get a job and cooperate with others and shit like that how could it how could a human possibly survive after spending the first 40 years of its life in a cage it just cut off from all of what we know of as society how could it possibly do that 
You take a lion, raise it in captivity, and then send it out into the wild. I don't know if that lion is going to have much of a chance. Because it didn't spend the majority of its life developing in its natural habitat. So then you put it into that habitat. It's not prepared for it. So how is it going to adapt? You know? So as you raise an animal in your house, it's not like you can just release it one day if it really wants to leave. You're almost sending it off to its death. (laughs) And everything dies at some point. I understand that too. But I'm just saying, it's, you know, it's odd. You wouldn't keep your kids at home 40 years, the first 40 years of its life. Some people do, which is completely other dark subject we can go down. But naturally, you wouldn't do that. You understand you need to send it out into the world and let your child develop and grow and experience things. And they need to live their own lives. But your dog, no, 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 no. You stay in this fucking house. And don't shit on my carpet, goddammit. You know? It's weird, bro. It's weird. I guess I've said enough about pets. I've probably pissed off a lot of people. I'm not, I have nothing against pet owners, bro. I'm just saying it's something that we as humans have accepted as normal, but it's not fucking normal. It's weird. It's weird. I think deep down, if you think about it long enough, I hope you'll agree with me on that one. It's fucking weird. <laughs> Anyway, um, you know, something else that I wanted to talk about, something else that's been on my mind recently is freeloaders. I don't know if you know what a freeloader is, but a freeloader is basically somebody who only comes around to get free shit. The kind of person that only comes to your house to eat your food drink your drink, smoke your weed, watch your TV. Use your clothes, use your shower, and then they fucking leave. Never offering to put food in the house, never offering to help with the rent, never asking you to come over to their place so that you can eat their food and drink their drink. You know, they just come around for free shit. It's like a parasite just living off you so they can get what they can out of you, and then they're gone. That's a freeloader. And nobody likes a fucking freeloader, man. And if you work for yourself, if you promote yourself online, you run some kind of business, or you just have something of value that a lot of people want, you probably have experienced freeloaders at some point. And this is not me complaining. This is just speaking about my experience teaching English online, promoting myself online, posting this podcast and everything. A lot of people around the world are trying to learn English, understandably. And I don't know if it's just how many people I'm reaching or the kind of person I'm attracting, but I come into contact with a lot of fucking freeloaders, man. People who just come around not because they love me or they appreciate the work I'm doing or what I'm trying to achieve. They just want some free shit. Tony, give me your time for free. Teach me for free. Give me a course for free. Give me access for free. What can I get from you for free? Please help me for free, for free. And although I can understand um, that certain people in certain places need help, they can't afford to pay for certain things. That's a completely different conversation than what I'm talking about. I just mean people who have absolutely no intention of uh, supporting or engaging in any way that benefits anyone other than themselves. People don't like that. I mean, the amount of emails and DMs I get. Please do this for me for free. Give me your time. Give me your expertise. Give me your advice. Give me classes. Give me this. Give me that. For free. 
I know you're an independent human being. You got to pay bills, feed yourself, survive. Fuck all that. Let me do, what can I get from you for free? Please. Thank you. And then when you don't, when you don't respond to me with that free shit I just demanded of you, then I'm going to say, fuck you. You're fake. You're not real. Nobody likes a fucking freeloader. You know, the person that always comes around just seeing what they can get for themselves. Just greedy and selfish. Never interested in providing value to society or those around them. Only interested in the value they can capture from other people. That's a fucking freeloader. And you don't want to be that guy, bro. You don't want to be that guy. Under any circumstances, when you're dating, you're out there trying to find a partner. Nobody wants to be with somebody who's only interested in what they can get from their relationship. In business, nobody wants to work with a partner who's only interested in what they can get out of the business and the value that they can take from the business. When you're trying to get a job, it's the same thing. Nobody wants an employee that's only thinking about themselves and not serving the overarching purpose that the company has. Nobody likes a fucking freeloader, bro. So when you display that behavior, you're doing nothing but communicating to the world. I don't give a shit about anyone or anything. It's all about me. So what reason would somebody have to deal with you, date you, or work with you, give you a job, work for you? I have no reason, bro. Nobody likes a fucking freeloader. The way you get what you want in life is by providing value to others first before you ask for it. You give, then you receive. That's just how it works, bro. And don't get me wrong. I've made the mistake of being selfish and asking and asking and looking for free shit. How can I get this for the least amount of effort or input or time or money? It's the wrong way to go about it, bro. It's the wrong way to go about life. It really is, man. There's no such thing as free. Nothing is free. Might as well get that shit through your head. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm just bitter. Maybe I'm tired of people uh, undervaluing what I do. Maybe I'm tired of people coming around asking for free shit. And those same people, when I ask them for support, you know, they can't hear me. They're nowhere to be found. My words fall on deaf ears. I'm speaking fucking another language from some alien language or something. They don't understand. Oh, sorry. Maybe I'm just bitter. I don't know. But I think about this. Just in, I mean, not even just people coming to me because of what I do for a living. I just, even when I watch content online, other people promoting themselves, it's always out of self-interest. It's all about sales. It's all about give me your time, give me your money, give me your attention. You know, like I'm sure you've seen people with YouTube channels, people on TikTok and stuff like that, who act like they're giving you some, you know, give download my free ebook or Sign up for my free video webinar training, my free this, my free that. When really they want your email and they want you to have the sensation of having received value through this video webinar, which is a bunch of fucking nothing, so that they can retarget you and continue to market to you. They can start to build a relationship with you through various emails that give you micro pieces of value so that you eventually buy the course that you don't really need. In most cases, I'm generalizing, obviously. So I see it on the salesman side too. I'm, this is universal. This is not me being bitter or resentful. I don't think. Maybe it's coming from a place of bitterness and resentment or it's in part 
motivated by those feelings. But I'm just talking about in general, bro. Whether you're buying or selling, asking or giving, it's like giving out of self-interest is not really giving, is it? When you expect to receive something in return, it becomes a transaction, you know? And I just see so many people. I've also made the mistake. Understand me. I've also made that same mistake of like giving when really I'm expecting the person to feel compelled to give back. And that's not giving. That's a toxic transaction (laughs) because the other person isn't aware that a transaction is taking place. They expect you to just give because you said you wanted to give. And then when you expect them to give something back and they don't know about it and then you get your feelings hurt. That's the result of a toxic transaction, right? Giving is like, here's this thing I want you to have. I don't really care what happens after that. And I had to learn the hard way. Like, that's, the, I think, the right way to, to go about things. You know? You give value just because you want to give value. And um, you sell things because you want to sell them. I think it's two different things. Anyway, getting back to fucking freeloaders. Nobody likes them, bro. And I'm just encouraging you because it's like every day, tens, not hundreds, but tens of messages, comments and shit like that of people who are just um, maybe not so developed socially or mentally yet. They don't have the life experience or nobody ever told them you're not going to get what you want out of life by only thinking about yourself and thinking about what you can get out of and from other people. That's not how it works. Nobody likes people like that. Nobody, 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 fucking nobody. I'm telling you, bro. So every time you DM somebody asking them to work for free, you DM somebody asking them to give you something when you have no intentions of giving something in return. You're just tarnishing your reputation because now you've signaled to this person that you're somebody who doesn't really need to be fucked with. We shouldn't fuck with you because you're only interested in what you can get from me. Would you ever call somebody like that a friend? Or business partner? Or lover? Of course not. Nobody likes people like that. But yet so many people go around only interested in what they can get from other people. This is the guaranteed way to stay poor. Mentally and monetarily poor. Or I should say financially poor. Only thinking about yourself and what you can get and not what value you can contribute to other people. How you can support other people. And I guess on some level it's it's really not anybody's fault, I should say, that so many of us still think this way. In terms of content, in terms of online education, I do think in large part it has to do with the way that the internet and social media has kind of commoditized a lot of products and professions and kind of democratized a lot of things. So we've created this illusion that online education, e-learning, digital courses, video content, audio content like this podcast, even TikTok videos and shit, it should all just be free. We've kind of accepted this illusion, this false idea that content, the thing that's driving society forward, the thing that's determining how people think, believe, and then act in the world, the thing that's now selling most products and services, it should all just be free. It's not worth anything. You could just grab your phone, make some content, nah, no big deal. And then people have the fucking balls to complain when you stop producing content consistently. And then get mad at you 
and, you know, irritated and say, fuck you. When you say, well, how about a couple of dollars a month to support all this content I'm producing? You never, you never offer that, but you're ready and willing to complain about this and that and the content. You're ready and willing to say how it should be done and that you should be receiving more of it, but you're not willing to support it. Like I'm telling you, bro, you don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I'm telling you short term, long term is not going to work out for you, bro. So you can maintain this this freeloader mentality. What can I get out of life? What can I get out of people? What can I get out of society? You can maintain that mentality if you want to. I can guarantee you it's not going to work out for you, bro. It's not going to work out for you. Because one day you're going to need support. One day you're going to need love, affirmation, attention, a partner, a, a lover, a friend. You're going to need that. And all those people that you spent your whole life basically saying fuck you to, all those people you refuse to support or contribute value to or help or think about are now going to look at you like, nigga, fuck you. Where were you when I need to help or support? Where were you, right? Remember all those times you just tried to suck all the value out of me? You always know how to call me when you need some shit, but you don't even know who I am when I call you and I need some shit. You always know how to DM me when you want some free shit. But when I say on the podcast, let me know what you think. Shoot me a message. Engage. Let me know how I can make the show better. Then it's crickets. And that's obviously a specific example for me, but I just mean in general, bro. You don't want to be that guy. Nobody likes a fucking freeloader. I don't know. Again, maybe I'm bitter. Maybe I'm bitter. Maybe I just don't get it. I don't know. But I think um, once I started valuing myself more, once I started valuing the value I provide to other people more, once I got clear on the value I provide to other people and started valuing myself, I stopped caring about giving time and attention to the people who didn't value me the same way. And I think you got to come to that realization at some point because the moral of that emotional rant I just went on is, man... At some point, you got to realize that uh, value is subjective. We can't control how other people treat us or value us. Um, we can't control the value that people try to suck out of us or bring to it. We have no control over other people's behavior. So you can sit and be mad. Nobody supports me. Nobody appreciates the value I provide. Nobody this, nobody that. Everybody's a freeloader. And that may be true, but you can't change that. The only thing you can change at the end of the day, which is what I realized, is how you value yourself. And once you start to value yourself a little more highly, you garner some self-respect and you set standards for yourself. Intellectual standards, emotional standards, relational standards. You um, just stop dealing with people who don't value you or don't value the same things that you value. And that's okay. That's what makes life beautiful. You're allowed to think what you want, value what you want. More or less, do and say what you want, depending on where you are in the world. I know it gets a little tricky around that. But you, you know you're free to do what you want, bro. You don't have to value what I value, and I don't have to value what you value. That's the way it's supposed to be. The point is, figure out what you value. Figure out the value that you actually contribute to yourself and others. Get really clear on that. And just don't let nobody cross the line once you set the line. For example, maybe this is kind of lofty and I'm being vague. It doesn't really make sense. 
But let's say you work for yourself and you're responsible for acquiring, satisfying, and keeping your clients. You might reach a point in your career where you don't really know how to value yourself. You don't believe in the value you provide to your customer. Therefore, you're charging a really low price, which attracts really low quality customers. If you've worked for yourself, you've already experienced this. The strange thing happens when you charge lower prices, you attract low quality individuals. When you charge higher prices, you attract high quality individuals. We can get deeper into that in a minute because that's not really the point. What I'm saying is you might find yourself in a place where you're charging less because you don't believe you're actually providing lots of value. And so you attract these low quality people who treat you like shit, who are nitpicking and saying, oh, it should be this way and be that way. And they have a thousand demands, but they'll never pay you what you actually deserve to be paid. In fact, if you increase the price just 10%, they're complaining and threatening to go to your competitor and all this shit. And what you might not realize is you are choosing to deal with that kind of person because internally you believe that's the best you can get in compensation for the value you're providing. When if you really stop, and you have to be clear on this, maybe that is all the value you provide. You don't deserve to make more. But you might realize, no, I'm providing a lot more value than this. I'm actually good at what I do. I have plenty of experience. I get results. I handle my business. I deserve what I'm charging. And then you up your prices 50%, 100%. And you might just realize you just by doing that, by changing your internal belief about your value, not overestimating it. You have to be careful. This requires self-awareness. But by truly valuing yourself highly and holding yourself to that standard, and holding other people to that standard and saying, if you want to deal with me, this is the price. If not, you can go find somebody else. Naturally, you just eliminate all those low quality, freeloading, fucking bargain hunting pieces of matter that are just looking to suck value out of you without compensating you for it. You eliminate the possibility of them even entering your world because they see that price and they're like, nah, it's too much. Fuck that. Because they never valued it in the first place. And I'm, ex- I'm not talking about people who literally can't afford to pay for your services. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people who refuse to pay for it because they don't value it. They just want some free shit, some cheap shit. And then they're going to complain every step of the way. Those sons of bitches. I'm talking about them. You just eliminate those people from your world completely when you start valuing yourself more highly and charging what you're actually worth. And you attract higher quality people. They have less demands. They respect you more. They value what you do. They don't complain about the price or your methods or anything. As long as you get the results you promised, they don't give a shit. Thank you. How can I support you more? And that's what happens when you give value first to your customer. Then they're like, shit, well, how can I support you? you man, you've made a positive impact on my life. I feel the need to do that for you. That's the opposite of what a freeloader does. A freeloader says, how can I get value first? Fuck giving value to other people. But a winner, successful person is like, how can I provide value first? And then recapture it. You know what I mean? But anyway, I feel like I'm kind of scatterbrained right now, jumping from idea to idea. As you can see, this is kind of how my brain works, man. I just, I go down these fucking rabbit holes. But getting back to the freeloading low quality clients and the high quality, one thing you also might realize, and this is something I don't truly understand yet, but something I experienced in my own career, which is there was a point where I personally was charging like a relatively low rate for the work I was doing and it was because I just I genuinely didn't believe I even said to myself at times there's no way I'm going to make more than this for this service there's there's just no way I understand the market people are just 
they can't pay that much. They just can't. I know it. And so I kept myself down on this lower level of work and value and, and compensation and was just attracting all these low quality people who didn't really value what I was doing and therefore weren't willing to pay more for what I was doing, but were also giving me the most headaches, weren't taking the service seriously. They weren't really trying to improve. They weren't really trying to learn from me and get value from the lessons or anything like that. And I don't remember when it was or who I was listening to at the time when I came to the realization, like, no, I've been grossly undervaluing myself and what I've been doing for these people. And immediately, just by valuing myself more, having a better understanding of the value I'm providing to my students, clients, whatever you want to call them, I doubled, I doubled my income just by a shift in mindset. Just a shift in the way I value myself and what I do. And what I just described to you is exactly what happened. Immediately, you stopped attracting such low-quality people who aren't going to take it seriously, who are just going to play games, who are looking for some magic solution to a problem that they finally decided to address. You just eliminate all that because just by looking at the higher price that you charge for the value you're providing, they say, no, nope, that's not for me. It's too expensive. My education is too expensive. I'm not willing to, to pay that price, even if it guarantees I'm going to reach the goal that I need to make more money and live a better life. You just, just automatically eliminate those people from my daily experience and attract higher quality people who are much easier to work with, much less headaches. They're much more serious and dedicated to their education. They value me and what I do. They appreciate what I'm doing for them, and I appreciate what they're doing for me. It's a mutually beneficial relationship in which we both feel we're exchanging equal amounts of value and respect and admiration and praise and feedback, constructive criticism. Those are the people you want to be around and work with on a daily basis, no matter what your profession is. Even outside of your career, even in your, your personal life, right? Mutually beneficial relationships. That's what you want. Nobody likes a fucking freeloader. Who only comes around to see what they can get from you. Nobody likes that kind of person, bruh. And there are a lot of those people out there. I come into contact with them all the time, especially on social media. Probably somebody listening to this right now. I'm talking about you. It used to be me. I've been there before too. I'm not speaking from a place of superiority or judgment. I'm saying, hey, bro, it's time to wake the fuck up. <laughs> it's time to grow the fuck up. Understand how life works and how to get what you want. It's not by being a freeloader and only thinking about yourself. It's by upping your value as a human being and then contributing that value to those around you. That's how you get what you want. You know? I don't know. This is all based on personal experience. Maybe I'm full of shit. I don't think so. But I could be. I guess we all are to some degree. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But, um, I don't know, man. Fucking freeloaders, bro. <sighs> Fucking parasites. Nobody likes them. I get a sip of water. Remember to drink your water today, boys and girls. Dehydration is not fun. I've had many problems with that throughout my life, bro. Uh, not drinking enough water. I think I got addicted to soda way too early. And it got to the point where I literally couldn't enjoy a meal. Without soda. Breakfast I could, obviously. But I would drink juice or, or something like that. It needs to be something with sugar in it. Something with flavor. And I would drink water after working out or every once in a while. Or, like today, when I just get so dehydrated, I start to get sick. Get headaches and migraines and shit like that. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I should be drinking more water. <laughs> and then it fucks with my eyes, too. Because my eyes get dry and I'm looking at a screen most of the day. And then my eyes get super stressed and I can't keep my eyes open. I can't look at a screen when most of the work I do is on a screen and that stresses me out more. And it's like, fuck. Fuck, man. Drink your water. Hydrate yourself. Take care of yourself. Go outside. That's another thing, right? Especially if you work from home. You're inside so much of the day. And you don't really realize it because when you work and live at home, the days start to blend together. The only reason I know what day it is because I have to keep a schedule for private lessons, podcast uh, interviews and shit like that. That's the only reason I know what day it is. Other than that, it's like every day is not the same, but you know, you get into your routines, every day is the same. You might leave here and there. I mean, I play soccer and stuff like that. I go to the park by my house. You obviously go buy groceries and shit like that, but I just be chilling, man. I don't. I don't do too much. I'm a simple guy. So I'm at home chilling. I'm at home working. I'm at home sleeping, at home eating. Like, and you just kind of don't realize how many days you've been at home. <laughs> you know? And sometimes if you work and living at home, you prefer to be at home, you just forget, oh, actually, it's a natural thing to get sunlight touching my skin at least once a day. It's free vitamin D just waiting outside for me. It's a beautiful day. I'm looking outside right now. It's gorgeous. Fucking gorgeous. And I'm going to go outside this afternoon. I went outside yesterday and just was reminded of that. I'm like, damn. I was probably out there for an hour just kicking the ball around, running, just trying to be active. And once I sat down, I felt so fucking good. Euphoric. It was fantastic, bro. Like the type of, the type of sensation. If, you're, if you live an active lifestyle, you know what I'm talking about. I guess if you've never done drugs, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you have done drugs before and you also live an active lifestyle today, then you know it's a type of sensation that even drugs can't give you. Now, it's very strong drugs can give you very strong sensations that have nothing to do with this. But I'm just saying it's a type of euphoric pleasure, a feeling of satisfaction and peace and presence that you can only get from doing physical activity outside. Going for a run, playing soccer, football, basketball. Baseball, something where you're, all of your focus is on moving your body as opposed to just being inside your head. 
and you're outside with the sun shining on your skin. You got your shirt off. You're running around. And by the time it's over, you feel fantastic, man. Fantastic. I was like, man, no matter how much weed I've smoked in the past, I never felt this kind of peace and satisfaction. Smoking weed obviously makes you feel good. It can make you feel good. But um, just to, just eating healthy, good food, being physically active, going outside, letting the sun into your eyeballs, touch your skin, playing a game with friends, like football, for example. You know, then you're just high off life, bro. You know what I mean? You got a job you enjoy doing, a lifestyle that's simple and as natural as possible. Now you're just high on life. You're feeling good, bro, all the time. You know? Until you're stuck in traffic, some fucking bonehead decides to cut you off. Some fucking boneheads going 50 in the fast lane. I don't care how strongly the sun is shining. That shit's still going to grind my gears, bro. We need more rigorous tests to be administered before we just give niggas driver's license, bro. Shit's ridiculous. Stop and think about that. 16 years old in this country, you can drive in a car by yourself. Your brain's not even done developing. You know? 16 years old, you don't even know how to use your dick yet. Come on, bro. You're going to drive a car? <laughs> You're going to drive a vehicle, a 900-pound death machine down the freeway? Could kill anybody at any moment. We're just going to give... Fuck out of here, man. No fucking way. It makes no sense. Nobody's teaching these, these people how to drive properly. And so nobody corrects their bad driving habits. And that's why you have 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old men and women driving around like fucking lunatics. Like fucking lunatics. No, dangerous. When you stop, and you've heard before, I'm sure, it's, you know, it's more dangerous to drive on the freeway than it is to fly in an airplane. They say that to people who are afraid of flying, who feel anxious about flying because they're afraid this giant metal bird is going to fall from the sky. Say, so, well, you're safer in a plane than you are on the freeway. Statistically, so many more people die on the freeway than there are people who die in airplane crashes. And I don't know if that's true. I mean, it sounds true. Sounds reasonable. But maybe that's because only one person is flying the plane. The other 180 people are just sitting there. And the air traffic is being monitored and controlled by people on the ground who can clearly see where all the planes are, how to direct them in the, you know, the right direction and all that shit. Maybe that's why there are a lot less plane crashes. Maybe because there are over 100 million cars on the road every day in the United States, all being driven by individuals. Maybe that's why there's more car crashes than plane crashes, you know? So if we had as many planes in the air as we had cars on the ground, I think we'd have a lot more plane crashes. I think we would. I don't know if we would, but I think we would. Fucking lunatics, man. And I'm not saying I'm the best driver. I'm not fucking... What's that dude's name? Hamilton? Is it Anthony Hamilton? The uh, the Formula One driver. Something Hamilton. I don't know. I don't watch F1. I'm saying I'm not a great driver. I'm not like a fantastic, you know, I'm not an exemplary driver, but I'm a good driver, man. And more importantly, I have respect for the drivers around me. I think most people don't. 
And you could tell a lot about a person by the way they drive their car. That's something I also noticed. Is you can tell a lot about a person's attitude towards themselves and toward life and toward society as a whole, towards people around them, by the way they drive their car. Driving a car on the freeway is kind of like a metaphor for life when you stop and think about it. Everybody enters the freeway from a different starting point, right? Because you have many exits and um, entrances. I don't know a better way of saying it, but you have the acceleration ramp, I think is what they call it, where you enter the freeway, you speed up so that you're at the same speed as the rest of the freeway when you enter it. Then you have the exit ramp where you exit, slow down, and enter the city or whatever. So you have many entrances and exits. Jesus Christ. <laughs> entrances and exits on, along this freeway. And everybody starts in a different place. And you just have to speed up and fucking get into the flow of traffic. Can't drive too fast. Can't drive too slow. You got to find your spot, right? It's chaos. These fucking death machines going 70, 80, 90, 100 miles an hour. And you just have to fucking get up to speed. Right? Get accustomed, figure out how things work, fall in line, and just make your way to your destination. And you might, you know, what, where is your destination? If before GPS and before maps existed, I think freeways didn't exist at that time either. But you, <laughs> you get my point. Let's imagine maps and freeways, or excuse me, maps and GPS don't exist. You get on the freeway. How the fuck are you going to get where you need to go? Imagine if there were no signs. Anyway, I just see so many parallels between driving on the freeway and, like, trying to get through life. And you see on the freeway, there's all these different cars, all these different people, all these different individuals going somewhere. You don't fucking know where they're going. All you know is they're either in your way or crowding your space. And you can't hit these people. Can't crash into their cars. There's a chance they die. There's a chance you die. Somebody gets hurt. You know what I mean? Um... So there's a certain way you need to drive, and it's a way that's, uh, how can I say this? There's a certain way you got to drive in accordance with all the other people driving on the freeway. You can't just drive how you want to drive. Same way you can't just live how you want to live, because if that were the case, we wouldn't have a civilized society. That's what life was like before, before civilization, I imagine. People just did whatever the fuck they wanted. That's why laws and regulations were created. Because of the savages we used to be. And we had to put some, some parameters in place and be like, nah, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe that's not okay. Right? It's the same thing on the freeway. You can't just drive how you want to drive. You cause an accident, piss a lot of people off. You know? Causes problems. So we have standards for driving. The same way we have standards for living. And um, I don't know. This is something I haven't really thought too much about. Probably should have wrote about this first. Because I think about this all the time when I'm driving on the freeway, how similar it is to life. And you can tell so much about the way somebody lives their life by the way they drive on the freeway. For example, the fucking pieces of shit that think it's permissible, it's totally okay and acceptable to be driving extremely slow in the lane that's designated for fast driving. You know, I don't know how it works in your country, but in the United States of America... Most freeways have three lanes, some have four, some have five, but at least three. You hear that dog? There it goes again, bro. Anyway, most freeways have three lanes. The one farthest to the right is the slow lane. The one in the middle, moderate speed. The one on the left is the fast lane. 
And there are so many people out there that think so highly of themselves, that place the importance of the self so much more, so much higher than the importance of all those around them, that they will drive slow in the fast lane, holding up the other hundred cars behind them that have every intention of driving fast in the fast lane. When you could easily just move your hand 20 degrees to the right, get in the middle lane or the slow lane where you fucking belong. But instead you drive in the fast, or you drive slow in the fast lane, just holding everybody else up. Fuck everybody else on the freeway. I'm going to drive at the speed I want to drive in the lane I want to drive in. You got a problem? Drive around me, bitch. This is everyone's freeway. So I decide <laughs> how people should behave on it. This is everyone's freeway, but it's my car. So I'm going to drive slow in the fast lane. Fuck everybody else, man. And those people, that's the attitude they have towards life. It's all about me. Give a fuck how my actions affect other people. Don't care. Do not care. Right? Or those people who are just driving way too fucking fast down the freeway. You know who they are. No, no thought given to the safety of themselves or anybody else. It's just, I gotta go, gotta go, gotta get to where I'm going. Get the fuck out of my way. Go, go, go. That's how they are. That's how they live their lives. It's just on go, 100%. Gotta get there as fast as possible for whatever fucking reason. Anybody who's not driving as fast as me is in my way and they're a fucking problem. Burp, burp. Honking the horn and shit. Get the fuck out of the way. You know, you know those people. It's the same person. It's the same person. Just a different manifestation of that same mentality. The only thing that matters is me. Get out of my way. I got somewhere to be. You know? <sighs> Motherfuckers that cut you off in traffic, switch lanes and shit without looking, without using their fucking blinkers. No turning signal, nothing. Just switch lanes. Ah. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I almost make you crash your car on the freeway? No big deal. You'll be all right, nigga. You good. That's how these people live their lives. It's not just the way they drive. That's their mentality. Their attitude towards life is just being manifested through their shitty driving. And their lack of consideration and respect for those around them on the freeway. You know what I mean? And I'm not the type of person that says just bow down to all social rules and norms. Fall in line. Go with the herd. That's not what I'm saying. But like, dog, some fucking basic decency and respect for those around you doesn't really cost you much. The only thing that has to die is your ego, right? And that's free. It doesn't, it, you don't have to pay anything, right? And it's, and it's so bad in this country because we're so individualistic, bro, which I'm, I have no problem with individualism. I like the idea of being an individualist living and thinking for yourself. But that doesn't mean fuck everybody else around me, right? It doesn't mean that I am the only important thing. It just means I'm important, so I'm going to live life in a way that I want, but not to the detriment of those around me. I'm not just going to be a dick. I'm not going to just choose to be a dick, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, bro. I don't know. It's also interesting on the freeway, like when you see an accident, for example, this is another interesting parallel with life. When there's an accident on the side of the freeway, isn't it interesting how we all just have the propensity, the tendency, I should say, to just look over and see what's happening? 
You're driving 90 miles an hour down the freeway. You see an accident. You just feel the need to look over at it and see what happened. Even if it causes you to have a car crash, the risk of that happening, ah, it doesn't bother you. I just need to look. I just need to, you know? And typically when you take your focus off the road and you're driving and you put your focus on something on the side of the road, you slow down, causing everybody behind you to slow down like in a chain reaction. Just fucking up the flow of the freeway. You understand most traffic in general is just motherfuckers not paying attention to what they're doing? Isn't that retarded? That, that's insane, bro. <laughs> like, like <laughs> Most traffic... One of, the, one of the deepest, most frustrating sources of rage in our lives. Traffic is just because people are not paying attention to what they're doing. Isn't that insane? I don't know. And you see the same thing in life. Instead of focusing on where you're going and what you're doing and the destination at which you're trying to arrive, something happens in somebody else's life. Something happens in the street. Something happens on your cell phone every nanosecond of every day. And you just have to look. You just have to see what's going on. You have to be nosy and figure it out. You just have to know. You have to be in the know. You can't just be like, nope, that has nothing to do with me. Let me focus on my route and my destination. We just can't do it. Just can't do it. You know? You see that same manifestation of attitude in, in football, too. If you know me. If you know anything about me, then you almost certainly know football is like one of my favorite things in life. Top three favorite things to do, period, is play football or soccer. I know you might hear me say football and think I'm talking about American football, but I mean like world football, soccer, football. It's one of my top three favorite things to do, period, bro, period. I would do it every single day of my life until I couldn't run anymore if I could. Swear to God, I love it so much so much like so deeply I can't I don't have words to express how deeply I love playing soccer bro I just I don't know I can't express it even watching it and not just professional soccer like I watch Premier League I love it it's exciting but even it could be some fucking 12 year olds like there's a local park not too far from my house sometimes I go over there to just kick the ball around and they have these uh, recreational leagues where the young kids will play and compete and sometimes I'll be done playing and I see there's some kids over there that are having a competition. They're having a match. I'll go over there and watch the entire game as if it was the World Cup. Now, obviously, I'm not screaming and yelling. I don't know the kids or anything like that. But I'll sit there and be just as interested and entertained and immersed in the game as if I was watching a Premier League match. I just love the game, bro. It's beautiful. But anyway, you can tell a lot about a person's character by the way they play the game. The same way you can tell a lot about them by the way they drive. To me, it's the same thing. And if you watch players, you can see their personalities kind of, you, they express their personality when you give them the freedom to just play how they want to play. And there are certain players who are much more selfish with the ball, refuse to pass to their teammates or collaborate with their teammates or cooperate, I should say, with their teammates. Don't give a fuck about the mission of the overall team. It's all about me and how can I shine? Give me the ball let me shoot, even though you're in a better position. Give me the ball, even though I missed my last 17 chances. It's all about the individual and how they can shine. Every time they score, they don't celebrate with the team. They don't acknowledge the coach. They don't acknowledge the team members that helped them score that goal. They run over to the fans. and they. You ever see a fucking soccer player turn around, turn their back to the fans, 
and point to their last name on their jersey, it's me. I'm the star. I scored that goal. Me, me. I'm the one. Not the team. Me. Look at me. That's the most disgusting shit, bro. I hate seeing players do shit like that. I cannot stand to watch a player do that shit. Glorify themselves in a team sport. It's all about me, even though I wouldn't have been able to do what I just did without my team. I can't stand that shit, bro. I don't know. It disgusts me. And probably that maybe that maybe that word's too strong. But it is a feeling of disgust. Man, this fucking guy. You know what I mean? I just instantly lose respect <laughs> for those kinds of individuals, man. Maybe because deep down inside, I, I identify with that. Maybe I overglorify myself and I hate that about myself. I don't know. But I just hate seeing that shit. But you can t- learn something about an individual based on them doing that. Same thing with an individual who is always looking to cooperate with the team. You know, pass around and shoot around, support other players, help them score goals, get back on defense and support their team members for the good of the team and the objective of the team, the unit, you know, the gang, the camp, the homies, my brothers, you know what I'm saying? Some players are like that. Just naturally, if you just watch them, you can see they don't care about themselves. They want the team to win. Anytime anybody on the team scores a goal, They go fucking crazy. They celebrate as if they themselves scored the goal. That's a team player. You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of person you want to play with. They're they're just as happy when they score as when you score. They run over to celebrate with you, congratulate you. Fuck yeah, man, you did it. Meanwhile, a few other teammates couldn't give a shit. You score your goal. They don't even run over to celebrate, congratulate you. They're just, they slowly walk over. I guess we're supposed to hug each other now. Yeah, great job. Should have passed it to me so I could score. You see that all the time on the football field, and that's the attitude they have towards life. It's just being manifested. You can tell a lot about what somebody really thinks or believes when you watch them behave, and you don't listen to what they say, you know? And I see that a lot in football. Even the way people handle the ball. It's funny that we say handle the ball when they're using their feet, right? (laughs) But even the way people handle the ball when they receive it, are they timid? Are they afraid to take on defenders? Are they doing lots of tricks and fancy shit? That's a manifestation of their character, their personality. You know, how much confidence they have with the ball at their feet, how much confidence they have in attack. Or some people just naturally prefer to defend. They don't want the ball at their feet. They prefer to be on the defensive, take the ball from other people. They like that kind of challenge. Says something about the way their brain works, about their characters, their natural tendencies. You know, it's not just about the game they're playing. I mean, it's just like their attitude towards life in many cases, I find, at least. You know, it's just interesting, interesting to think about. I don't know what I'm talking about. These are just observations I make from time to time. And um, I'm too lazy to write in my journal. So I talk about nothing on this podcast. You know, I feel like that's uh, a better solution. (laughs) I felt like there was uh, something else I wanted to. Speak ah yes, my friend. The power of the internet. Switching gears here a little bit. And just whenever you hear somebody say switching gears a little bit, they mean changing subjects. It's a way of it's like a more uh, elegant way of changing the subject. It's like saying, I know we're talking about this, but I'd like to talk about this now. So you're basically saying that without saying it. Excuse me. So switching gears a little bit. 
I want to talk to you about the power of the internet, because I think this is something that so many people, including myself, are still just taking for granted every day of every week. And I think at some point we're going to come to regret wasting so much time not utilizing the internet to its full potential. When you stop and consider the fact that just 30, 40 years ago, call it 30 years ago, the only people you could talk to and interact with, do business with, make love with, form relationships with, hang out with, whatever. The only people you could know personally were the people that lived in your city. The people that went to your school or had the same job as you. The people that live in your house or your neighborhood. That was it. Otherwise, you had to go to a foreign country to meet foreign people and talk with those people. Learn about their lifestyle. Learn their language. See what it actually looks like there. What's really going on in the country. You couldn't do that just 30 years ago. You can do it for free now. You can get online. You can get on Discord, HelloTalk, Omegle, Tandem, Free for Talk, whatever. I mean, there's tons of tons of apps. You can just download the app for free, create an account for free, and talk to anybody else who uses the app from anywhere in the world with nothing more than an internet connection. That's it. You can learn any language that anybody's willing to teach you. You can make friends, start business partnerships, create content, right? People are changing their lives, just making content online, sharing what they know, business experts, marketing experts, mental health experts, construction workers, fucking dog trainers, musicians, actors, everybody and anybody can and is, that's a weird sentence, anybody can make content and a lot of people are making content about what they know or what they like. And it's changing their lives. They're finding communities they never knew existed. Now, you imagine how many fucking activities, hobbies, personal interests that existed before the internet that made people feel like they were fucking freaks and weirdos. And now they can go online and find entire communities of people who are into the same shit. They're closer to what they love and they found people who also love the same things. Even if nobody in their city loves those things. Even if they were made fun of in high school for those things, they got beat up in high school for liking those things. Now they have a community online. Maybe by being online, they found other people in their city that are into the same thing. You couldn't do that before. There are people who have started and launched and blown up their entire career just because of the internet. By posting videos, talking about what they know, they attract clients, they attract business partners, they attract investors, they build a brand. They build a reputation for themselves. They become an expert in that field because they started talking about what they know on camera, on a podcast. You can learn anything on the internet, bro. That's the craziest thing. Before, the gatekeeper to living a good life was information. Or I guess I should say the gatekeepers of information, which is the key to living a better life, was institutions, universities, schools. You know, the elites who had access to the best education or the best business trade secrets and everything. Bro, now you can learn anything you want on the internet. How to write a contract. Any foreign language that's widely spoken and available on the internet. How to train your dog. How to clean your car. How to change the oil in your car. How to build this. How to destroy that. How to cook this. 
how to speak this way, how to communicate more effectively, how to listen, anything you can fucking think of, how to program computers, write software, make your own clothing, grow your own food, whatever the fuck you want. It's on the internet. Most of the time for free. And the key to getting what you want out of life is knowing how to get it, right? I heard somebody say recently that it's impossible to quantify intelligence, but you can call a person intelligent or not based on their ability to get what they want out of life. Meaning, do you have the mental faculties to achieve the outcome that you want? That's, that's intelligence. Making a plan, executing on that plan, and getting the result you want. Unintelligent beings can't do that. And I don't know if that's the definition of intelligence. I just thought it was interesting. It made me think. And I just think the key to getting what you want out of life is knowing how to get it, which means you have to educate yourself, not just read books and take classes, but like live life, experience things. I'm just saying the formal or academic education that you can get online for free now is the starting point. That will give you confidence to then go take action, get the experience, gain the knowledge and wisdom, and then do it again. And yet still, people of all ages, people talk a lot of shit about the kids being addicted to their phones. These kids don't know how to talk to human beings. They don't look us in the eyes. They don't know how to communicate. They just text and fucking tweet and post TikToks all day and they're making their dance videos. Never mind the fact that these parents gave these fucking kids the phones. We're not going to talk about that. But they're complaining about these kids being addicted to their phones and wasting all their time on their phones. And social media means nothing is fake. Bro, there are people my age. There are people our parents' age. Parents, grandparents, addicted to their cell phones. Social media in general has reduced the majority of society to a bunch of, to the men, to a bunch of people having the mentality of fucking high school kids. Competing in some fucking popularity contest. Desperate for validation and stimulation and entertainment. Because a normal life is just too boring for most of us now. That's a problem, bro. And I love the internet. I love social media. I post on social all the time. You probably found me because of social media. I'm not trying to demonize it. I'm just saying that's one particular use. But there's this whole other world over here where you can actually use it to make your life better. To get an exponential return on your time invested. There's no return on time invested scrolling on social media. You might learn a couple of things here and there, but the majority of your time is wasted. I think we can all agree on that. But learning. You're never going to waste time learning. Not useful things anyway. You can waste a lot of time trying to memorize information that's useless. But learning useful information that's going to make you or your life better, that's never a waste of time. Ever, 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 ever. And you can do it for free now. And yet still, scrolling mindlessly, looking for cheap entertainment is more interesting. Blaming our parents, blaming the fucking government, blaming capitalism for our shitty lives is more interesting than using the fucking godsend of a gift, the privilege that is the internet. Freely accessible information, entertainment, networking, it's free, it's on demand, bro. It's on demand. We're not using it. 
to make ourselves better, more efficient, more productive, more emotionally stable, more intellectually stimulated and capable. None of that shit. Talking shit in people's comments is more fun. Judging people quietly from afar is more fun. (laughs) Scrolling mindlessly looking for some cheap entertainment is more fun. But I'm telling you, bro, the longer you stay on that path, oof, the higher the chance for regret. And that is the most painful thing one can experience in life. Because there's no way for consoling that pain, right? Opportunities you know you consciously just missed, wasted, threw away, you know what I mean? Knowing you could have and should have done something, but you didn't. There's no way to console that pain, bro. (laughs) And you might be thinking, you're young, you're 18, 22, 24. I got time. I'm young. I want to live my life, be free, independent, blah, blah, blah. All right, bro. All right, bro. Maybe that's what's best for you. I don't know. I don't know you. I'm just speaking from personal experience, you know? And um, I just think a lot of us are going to regret not using the internet to its full potential, not using it uh, to create the lives that we are excited to live because that is possible now with the internet. Not possible for everybody. I know I'm coming from a, very privileged North American perspective. But you can't deny the fact that people all over the world, not just the United States, are changing their lives by using the internet to educate and empower themselves as opposed to entertain themselves and bring down other people. You can't deny that. No matter what country I might be from, you know what I'm saying? You can't deny that. Almost everything I know how to do Today, I learned on the internet and just through experience. My parents didn't teach me shit. Most people's parents don't teach them shit. And so they go through life kind of lost. And now there's this distraction that's the cell phone. So you don't really have to think about the fact that you don't know shit. You don't know how to do shit. You don't really provide any value to anyone, not even yourself. And you can kind of numb that anxiety-inducing feeling. You can numb that pain. You can numb that negative feeling with this mindless scrolling on your cell phone, it's always there. Always something to watch or listen to or read or distract you from the fact that this shit is real. This is not a game, bro. It's not a game. It is a game. Let me say that differently. This is a gigantic game. And the point is, you can go through it sleep and just take whatever's handed to you or you can wake the fuck up and try to, you know, play the game in the way that you see fit. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is that is easier than ever before with the internet. You can learn anything. You can do anything. The only thing stopping you is self-limiting beliefs. In most cases, in most cases, if you're listening to this, that's probably what it is. You're fortunate enough to have a device that's capable of streaming audio, which means you have a device and the internet. So it's a start. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm talking out the side of my face. Maybe I sound like a fucking idiot right now. You know, maybe I'm too privileged to understand what it's like in other places. And I don't understand the difficulties stacked against all these people. Maybe, maybe, maybe. It's definitely possible. But I don't think that's the case. (laughs) I'm just saying, man, we got to stop taking the internet for granted. Cannot, like, bro, you understand. Imagine you want to work for yourself. 
You want to be a hairdresser, a makeup artist, a language teacher. You want to be a musician. You want to be a plumber. You want to be a fucking, I don't know. You want to be a a podcaster. You want to be whatever, whatever. You want to work for yourself and live life on your own terms. You don't want to have a boss. You don't want to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. You don't really have to to do that now if you don't want to. You can actually just get online and say, let's let's use makeup artist as an example. I want to be a makeup artist. You don't have to go the traditional path then. Of course, you need to go get certified and know what you're doing and all that. But I mean, like to pay your own bills and live life on your terms. Bro, you could start a podcast called Makeup Mondays. And every Monday you drop an episode about not just doing makeup in the industry, but interviewing other makeup artists, giving business tips and tricks, learning or talking about your personal experience or just talking about life in general. I mean, look at me. I'm a fucking English teacher, but I'm talking about all types of shit, language, life, culture, society, philosophy, because I'm interested in a bunch of different shit. And so even as a makeup artist, you don't have to just talk about makeup. I'm saying you can start a podcast, build an audience. And then monetize that audience through ads, subscriptions. People can support you. You can do brand deals. You can attract private clients for your makeup artists, services, all through your podcast. On TikTok, which is even more effective in the short term, you can just post videos for free and promote yourself and what you're doing. Show people that you know what you're doing. Show people why your technique is better or that you're the highest quality Tell them where you're located, where they can come get your services. Create a website for free with scheduling software that's free and have people schedule appointments with you to then come pay you money to do the work that you love doing. All because they saw you on a TikTok video that you posted for free. You understand that in the past, the only way to get in front of people was paying for advertising. And it still exists today. You can go on Facebook, pay for Facebook ads. Hopefully your targeting is correct. Instagram ads, Google ads, any platform, YouTube, any platform where it's free for the users to sign up, there's ads. You know, you can, how can I say this? You can be showing the ads to people as opposed to being a consumer and only seeing those ads. I think you get the point. That was the only way to do it. Before that, you had to, you had to spend six figures on a TV commercial that only gets shown in your local area. That's how you drove business. You understand what I'm saying? Before that was fucking billboards and posters and shit. Now you can grab your cell phone and talk to the world. The world. The world. (laughs) The fucking world, bro. And say whatever it is you got to say. For free, bro. Like, you need to stop. You need to stop. You need to stop and just think about that for a second. Think about that, bro. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Doesn't matter what you're doing, bro. Consider the fact that Mr. Beast, the biggest YouTuber on the planet, grew his 100 million, much more than that now, 100 million subscriber audience, and he started with an iPhone in his bedroom. Posting videos on YouTube for free. He got his first 200,000 subscribers 
with an iPhone 4, recording and editing his videos on his cell phone. A cell phone much less powerful than the one you probably have in your pocket right now. And of course, he's a very, very, very specific, unique example. Not everybody's going to be Mr. Beast, but that shouldn't be the goal anyway. The goal should just be to make a living doing what you want to do. And it doesn't matter if you want to be a content creator, a freelance graphic designer, a programmer, whatever. You can increase not only your knowledge and experience and the value you provide, but increase the chance of it actually being successful by using the internet. Educating and then promoting yourself on the internet, even on LinkedIn, just posting about what you know, posting your thoughts about the industry, making a name for yourself. Because I hate to tell you, that's all we're going to have at the end of the day is our name, our reputation. That's all that's going to matter. The internet is automating and commoditizing so many different things that it's not just, you know, the only thing that people will be able to distinguish is the brand. For example, when Let's take cheeseburgers. The first one, it's like, oh, this is amazing. This is incredible. This is novel. Everybody comes to this cheeseburger restaurant because it's the only place you can get cheeseburgers. But then people kind of understand the business. They understand how they can do it for themselves. And you go from just In-N-Out Burger, then McDonald's pops up, then Burger King, then Wendy's, then Jack in the Box, then Hardee's, then Five Guys, all these different burger restaurants. It's now a commodity. It's easily found. There's nothing proprietary or special about it. Everybody sells fucking cheeseburgers. So what, what makes the difference? The brand, the name. I go to In-N-Out specifically because I like the way they prepare the cheeseburger. I like their way of doing it, their flavor, their brand, their customer service, the experience I have when I go there. I could go to McDonald's, probably pay less than I would pay an In-N-Out burger, but I don't fucking like McDonald's. You understand what I'm saying? Think about in the context, think about that in the context of business, in the context of romance, in the context of your career, trying to find a job. It's all about your brand. It's all about the reputation. How do people think about you when your name comes up in conversation? How do they feel about you? What do they know you for? You can control that now. Well, you can't control it. You can influence that now on the internet. If, you, if you're into cooking, for example, you can just start posting videos of yourself cooking. Talking about your recipes, why you like this, why you don't like that. Talking about the history and the culture behind it. And this is the authentic and that over there, that's not real, blah, blah, blah. And you're just slowly building your reputation as an expert in this field because that's all you talk about. People start to know you for that. So when they want cooking advice, who do they come to? The motherfucker that's been posting videos about it for the last 12 months. You. Right? Oh, and guess what? You got a course that you can sell them, how they can do it for themselves. You got free ebooks to provide value. You're doing live streams to help people to show them how to cook in real time. Now you're known for being the cooking expert. Now, brands who want to sell their cooking equipment or their special spices or their foods or their delivery service, they want to advertise on your videos because you've built this incredibly large audience that's hyper focused on cooking. So, their products are perfect for your audience and they'll pay you to show their products to your audience. And now you're making a living making videos about fucking cooking, bro. Obviously, everyone's not going to do this. And if I had more time to think and prepare myself, I could think of how this thought process could apply to literally anything in life. I'm just saying the internet is not to be taken for granted. You can get better jobs. 
because of the internet. You can work for yourself because of the internet. You can make better friends in more countries. You can learn multiple languages. Educate yourself on just about anything there is to know that's useful with the internet. Entertain yourself until the day you die because of the internet. You understand what I'm saying? This is not... We shouldn't be using this as a toy. It's a very, 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 very powerful tool. You know? And I'm guilty of it too, bro. I mean, I've wasted time. I continue to waste time on my phone, watching random shit on YouTube when I know I should be working and all that. I'm guilty of it too. That's why I said, myself included, all of us are taking this for granted. And, um... I just think it's got to stop, man. At least for me, I'm not saying, oh, this has to stop. The world must stop wasting time on social media. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I know personally I need to stop wasting time. And I'm encouraging you to stop wasting time. Start figuring out how you can use the internet to make your life significantly better. Not just more tolerable. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know what else to talk about, man. I wasn't planning to go that uh, in that direction. I'm sorry if that was depressing. I didn't mean to get on my soapbox and start preaching. Because that's not my intention. I fucking hate motivational speeches. I think they're dumb. What does that mean? I don't, I mean, I don't think people who give them are dumb. I don't think people who listen to them are dumb. I just think they're dumb. <laughs> like, you know? Because motivation is bullshit, bro. Motivation is like, motivation is um, just an emotion. And you can't rely on your emotions, bro. Motivation is here when you don't need it. And it's never to be found when you need that shit. Fuck motivation. Fuck motivation, bro. Always there when you, ne- when you don't need it. Never there when you need the shit. Fuck motivation, bro. It's fake. It's fake. Motivation is what you, it's like your brain being greedy. It wants to feel the benefits and the satisfaction of having accomplished something before it actually accomplishes it. Fuck motivation. Fuck that. Because then you get that surge of dopamine to your brain. Fuck yeah, I'm going to do it. It's going to be amazing. And then it comes time to do the shit. Motivation took a vacation. It's often fucking, it's in Brazil somewhere on a beach, frolicking through the goddamn water, having a good old time. While you're sitting there in this room, lacking motivation, feeling depressed. Why can't I get myself to do this shit? Where's my motivation? You're calling it and shit. Hey, 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 motivation. Where you at, bro? I got some shit to do. Where, where, you know, we, we agreed, bro. We was going, we was going to do it big, bro. Where you at, man? The motivation, not even picking up the phone, sending your ass straight to voicemail. Fuck motivation. Fuck motivation, man. <laughs> I'm just saying it's unreliable. It's unreliable. So motivational speeches is weird, man. Some stranger just yelling at me. That's really a motivation. A motivational speech is just somebody saying obvious things in an energetic way. I'm not saying anything you don't know. I'm just saying it in an energetic way. You feel sad. They're extremely excited. They're going to elevate your mood with their excitement. Work hard. Be disciplined. Yeah. It's like, yeah, nigga, I know that. <laughs> are you going to, you know, you going to help me do this shit or are you just going to yell at me? Get the fuck out of here. Fuck motivation. 
I don't know. First of all, that's not even motivation, right? That's inspiration. It should be called inspirational speeches. Motivation is great. So I take back everything I said about motivation. Insert the word inspiration into everything I just said. Fuck inspiration, dog. Inspiration is for artists. You feel inspired, you paint something. You feel inspired, you record a song. Inspiration is like, you know, I should do this and I got this idea. This would be amazing, blah, blah, blah. That's inspiration. You feel compelled and energized. I'm going to do this. Yeah, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Right? That's all, that's all it is. You feel inspired. It's like the, the spark that then turns into the fire if you choose to do so. You, you turn it into a full-blown fire. Inspiration is just that little spark. But you still have to start the fire. Like you, you know, this is probably not the best analogy, but you got to turn it into a fire. You got to blow that shit and fan it so the, the spark turns into an ember and then into a, a, a raging flame. You got to put wood on that motherfucker and put more wood on it to keep it going, right? Inspiration is just a spark. And so to go and listen to a motivational speech, okay, great, there's the spark. Then I'm going to leave this place or turn off my phone and then this mountain of work is sitting in front of me. The fuck am I about to do? I was just listening to this speech to avoid doing the work, hoping that you would give me a real reason to do it because I'm looking for motivation when all I'm going to get is inspiration. Motivation, if I'm not mistaken, comes from the same place as motive, meaning the reason for doing something. What compels you to do it? Why are you doing this? That's motivation. I get up every day at four o'clock in the morning. I take care of my health. I eat good. I spend the morning with my kids. I make them breakfast. I take them to school, make sure they get there safe. I go to work, fucking 10 hours. I fight through traffic on the way home, pick up the kids, take them to soccer practice and ballet recitals. I come home, we eat dinner. I get them showered and clean. I read them a story. I put them to bed. I do that because I'm a parent. I love my children. I'm responsible for them. Without me, they won't grow and develop and survive in this world. That's my responsibility. That's my motivation for putting up with this shitty job, this bullshit traffic, and this life I've created for myself. I chose it, obviously, but that's, that's my motivation for doing more, for doing better, for getting up on those days when I could easily just stay home. But I got kids to feed. They motivate me. They give me a reason to do shit I don't necessarily want to do. That's motivation. If I don't eat, I die. That's why I eat. <laughs> That's motivation. If I don't continue to drink water, I get dehydrated. I die. So I drink water. Not because I want to. Not because I feel inspired by the beauty of water. I have to do it. I have a reason for doing it. And so you, you need motivation. You need something to motivate you to get things done. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. That's just human nature. That's the nature of all things. It's in our nature to conserve energy. Until we actually need it. So if there's not a reason to get up and do some shit, a tangible reason, if we can't visualize the outcome in the mind, we're not going to do it. No amount of inspiration is going to change that. Because as soon as that inspiration wears off and you still have to go do the shit, now what? <laughs> if you still don't have a good, solid, believable, tangible reason for doing it, you're just not going to do it. Fuck inspiration. Fuck inspiration. Nah, bro. Motivation is something like deeper within. 
And it's something that somebody, somebody can't give you motivation. They can't pass that to you. I can't give you a reason for doing something. You have to decide what the reason for doing something is, and then you take the action, right? If that weren't the case, if I could motivate you to do something, the world would be a very different place, right? I'd be a rich man because then I would be able to motivate everybody to give me all their fucking money in exchange for nothing. I can't motivate you to do that. No matter how beautiful and energetic my speech is, I can inspire you to do that. And there are many manipulative ways to do that. We see that all the time. Charities, motivational speakers and all this shit. I can inspire you to do all types of shit. I can't motivate you. You decide what the reason you're doing this is. I just influence it with my inspirational words. I don't know if that makes sense to you. I'm, um, I feel like I'm way off the grid on this one, man. I've gotten deep into the woods. I don't even know if you're following any of the things. You're still listening, so I got to be making some kind of sense. Anyway, fuck inspiration. Motivation comes from within. You decide. I don't even remember why I was talking about this, bro. That's how bad this fucking... <laughs> this is why I write most of my episodes, because I just start like, you know, I'm scatterbrained, bro. It's like, ooh, there's a shiny object. Let's think about that for a little bit. Oh, you know what? That, that makes me think about this. Let's dive into But you know what? That makes me think about this other thing. Let me tell you about this. And then 40 minutes later, I'm like, wait, what was I talking about? <laughs> it's the difficulty of, and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm insecure. And I'm not, um, maybe I'm thinking too much about how this sounds as opposed to just focusing on what I'm saying. But I'm trying to be empathetic. Or at least I like to tell myself I'm being empathetic to the listener. It's like, man, who the fuck is finna sit here and listen to this shit? But obviously you, right? So shout out to you. Thank you for being here, listening to Real English Radio. You know what I also would love from any and all of the Real English Radio listeners and supporters is feedback, man. Like I, I really, really appreciate it when people send me an email or a DM or something, not saying, oh, I love your show. It's amazing, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I appreciate that too, but I really appreciate it when people tell me how it can be better or what specifically they appreciate about it, which episode, which topic or thing that I said that made them think differently or thing that they disagree with and that I need to reconsider, stuff like that. That's cool. I would appreciate more of that. Then thank you to all of you who actually engage with me and send me messages and give me feedback on the show. Because although I do this because I enjoy it, I'm thinking about you, the listener, obviously, and uh, I just want the show to be as good as it can possibly be. And believe it or not, your feedback helps me do that. So, um, yeah, I'd appreciate more of that. Um, but, you know, I think I'm going to get out of here, man. I feel like I've been rambling about nothing for quite some time now. Let me one hour and 49 minutes already. It felt like 20 so I guess I got lost in my thoughts there for a little bit, my friend. Hopefully you enjoyed this ramble session of me talking about absolutely nothing <laughs> for the last two hours. And maybe you got a few interesting things to think about or talk about with your friends, your language exchange partners, your private teacher. Whoever it is that you practice your English with, even if it's yourself, write in your journal or start a podcast, talk about nothing, do what you got to do. But hopefully you got something to think about. Uh, and let me know if I should, I know that when I was working on Life in English, a lot of people enjoyed the Talking About Nothing episodes, and those were always the ones that made me, like, how can I say this? Those were always the ones that made me doubt 
the quality of the podcast because I would listen to him, man. I'm like, what the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> like, I know I'm following myself and I'm making sense. I understand what I'm saying. But like, I don't know. It must be insecurity, right? Because I'll listen to somebody else just ramble. Like Bill Burr's podcast, for example, he'll just turn on the mic and start talking shit. And to me, it's entertaining. It's kind of cool to listen to somebody else just travel from one thought to another and take you on this journey. And you're not really expecting them to arrive to arrive at any conclusion. It's just like, let me hear what he has to say. Fuck it. Why not? You know? So I don't mind listening to other people do that shit. I guess I'm just too self-critical. I don't know. Anyway, I guess that's it for this episode of Real English Radio, my friend. Thank you so much for all of your time and your attention. Thank you to my Patreon supporters who enable me to keep producing this podcast week after week. I got so much love for y'all and appreciation. You know what I mean? I really, really, really thank you for your monthly support. And um, a lot more episodes coming soon, man. Hopefully much more structured. Then this one, you know what I mean? Got some very, very interesting subjects coming up soon. If you'd like early access to new episodes, you can subscribe on Patreon. If you'd like access to bonus episodes and the script and vocabulary guide for every episode, you can also subscribe to Tier 2 on Patreon. I really appreciate the support, my friend. And uh, I guess that's it. So this has been another episode of Real English. I'm like, just so you know, I'm sitting here like, man, how can I end this episode in a way that's not fucking weird? I feel weird after just rambling for two hours and being like, okay, well, that's it. Talk to you later. Bye. (laughs) Oh, no. I I think I need to do more of these so I can get better at speaking off the cuff. You know, I remember one time I wish I would have done this a lot more. I was living in Irvine, California, and there was this event called Toastmasters. They have them all over the country. And the purpose of this event is to help people. Basically, it's like exposure therapy. It's for people who are afraid of speaking publicly in front of crowds. And so I don't remember what motivated me to go to one of these sessions. I guess I was just trying to improve my communication skills at the time. I really don't know. But I wanted to get better at public speaking. So I went to this place. And the way it works is you arrive, you just say hello to the other people and they get started immediately. And one by one, every person has a particular topic that they need to talk about or argument they need to support or go against. And unscripted, unprepared, you need to speak about it for two to five minutes and give this little speech. And by doing that again and again and again, you kind of just get comfortable being on stage, talking to a crowd, looking at people in the eyes, not being nervous, being confident in what you're saying and what you're doing, right? It's just exposure therapy. The more you do it, the more normal it seems to you. And hopefully the better you get at doing it, which gives you more confidence and pleasure when you do it and all that. And um, that, for some reason, I thought of now, and it made me think, Maybe I should do more of these talking about nothing episodes because that's always something I felt I could get better at. And as I listen to my podcasts, I really want to get better at it because, again, I'm doing this because I enjoy it. But I'm thinking about the listeners. Like I want to make the best possible listening experience. I don't want to just be here talking about fucking nothing, ironically. But you know what I mean? I don't want to just be spouting off a bunch of fucking nonsense that's not even interesting to listen to. I want to make a good show. So um, I think by practicing speaking off the cuff, which basically means unpreparedly. I'm not, I didn't write a script. I didn't really think too much about what I wanted to say. I'm just speaking as I think. There's not much time passing between me having the thought and me expressing it to you, right? 
And I really want to get better at that just in all cases, whether I'm in a meeting, in a class, podcasting, whatever, because I know for sure now through experience, the better you can communicate, the better your life in general. And obviously life doesn't always allow for a script or preparation. So just having your words at the ready to express whatever it is you have to say, and also being able to stitch together different thoughts and ideas without preparing first is a very valuable skill to have when you talk for a living. (laughs) And I talk for a living, you know what I mean? So anyway, that's my personal, uh, what can you call it? Self-improvement journey that I'm on these days. And I hope you get on that journey with me, man. Do not underestimate the, the value of quality communication skills. Verbal, written, whether you're speaking or writing is what I mean to say. It doesn't matter. Listening skills too. Listening is a huge part of communication. Body language, the clothing you wear, all of that. Just communication in general, man. Apart from not taking the internet for granted, I also strongly urge you to invest in your communication skills. But I guess I'll save that for future episodes, my friend. I'm going to get out of here. Thank you again for your time and attention and for listening to Real English Radio. That was lame. That was lame as fuck. Let me try that again. Thank you for listening to Real English Radio. I hope that was better. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time and attention. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.